0: Hi there and welcome to The Still Loading Podcast, a space dedicated to exploring leadership for the digital age. I'm your host, Ilona Brannan, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Still Loading Podcast. This week I'm actually talking about personal brand and I think in the modern age personal branding and the personal brand is such a big topic and I think there's a real strong component with any leader now thinking about how to have almost like a digital personal brand. It's not enough to now think about how you come across to your colleagues in a in a one to one sense or one to many sense at your work. You've also got to think about your presence as a leader in the digital Age in a digital way. So, I'm speaking to Joanna in this episode, and she talks about her work that she does with clients, helping them to develop their personal brand online. And I think it's something we all need to consider as we develop our careers and our own leadership. Um, How do we present ourselves online? which are the platforms that kind of resonate with us and are where the people that we're trying to connect to and to almost lead going to be and what are the messages and what are the things I can do to develop myself as a leader with that digital storytelling component so it's a really interesting episode she really is amazing at giving some great anecdotes so do enjoy and take notes I definitely did and I definitely have found ways in which to improve my own digital storytelling and also my leadership and personal brand online. Enjoy! Hello everyone, welcome to the Still Loading podcast. I'm recording today on a beautiful sunny day and I thought I'd share that with you so whatever time you're listening to this just imagine beautiful sunshine streaming in on your face and I'm joined today by Joanna. And Joanna is someone who I met through Warwick Business School, actually. So we met at an event and we just got chatting and I just found the connection between us great. And I really wanted to bring her onto the podcast to share what work she does in the space that we both find quite fascinating. So Joanna, could you introduce yourselves, please? (laughs) Yourself, just
1: one. Yes. (laughs) The sleepy me and the totally awake me. Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. Yes. So my name is Joanna Jago. And very briefly, my journey, I was originally born in Romania. I studied in Northern Japan in Hirosaki University and worked in Tokyo for a few years, worked in London for a few years. And most recently, I worked in Frankfurt in a pan-European role. So I moved around a little bit but UK is home and two years ago I founded Eventum which is a growth marketing agency very much focused on growth strategy for businesses and also personal branding so these are two key passion points of mine
0: yeah thank you Joanna and the thing I found really great when we were chatting before is firstly we've both got this Eastern European lived in Japan overlap thing so that's quite interesting but also I really was fascinated by this kind of concept of personal branding because I think in the digital age for leaders Personal branding is really key and being able to show your personal brand online. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do with people about their personal brand? Absolutely. And what is it if somebody is listening now and they're like, what are they talking about? Just to explain what it is.
1: Absolutely. Two years ago when the pandemic hit, I realized that one opportunity for professionals to continue to maintain their visibility was really to activate the brands, their personal brands online. How many professionals do we know who are exceptional in their field? But basically, they trade on, I guess, their geography and the connections that they would make through natural life networking events. Well, with no natural live networking events, attending a physical conference, bumping into each other like you and I did uh, when we met a couple of months ago. With that not happening, and particularly with that not happening on an international level, those high, you know, high-flying professionals normally would be networking with literally the entire globe and all the subject matter experts in their field through the medium of these international conferences, product launches, standalone meetings, key opinion leader meetings, et cetera, et cetera, Some of them had the the realization that being visible online and activating their voice, activating their presence, activating their style, activating their thinking online was going to be the only way to remain relevant, remain visible and continue to be um, influencing and influential, I guess, in their area of expertise. But there's a huge, huge, huge number of individuals who are exceptional professionals in their fields but are not visible online. So personal branding is all about recognizing that you as an individual, even when you're in association with a corporation or an an employer of kind, it is your personal visibility that fundamentally matters. And it is your personal visibility in the digital space that will future-proof your career. And the the final point I want to make is that the importance of digital visibility is not going anywhere. Even if you find yourself in your 50s or your 60s and you might think, you know what, an NED role is all I want and then I retire. You will not get that NED role, most likely, unless you have a really, really strong digital connection and you found your voice and are prepared to actually articulate your thoughts digitally.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there is a gap for sure for people of any level of leader, knowing that and doing that are two separate things, because it is a skill set to be able to show yourself and your thoughts and opinions online in a way that is in alignment with who you are. You know, you can almost see sometimes online, people are like dipping their toe in, they don't want to get too controversial. And then some people are like, I'm just going to be super controversial and that's going to be my brand. So what would your advice be to someone who's almost trying to start to
1: build a digital presence and show their personal brand? Absolutely. I believe it starts with being online. So that's the first, that's the first step. And it sounds very, very obvious, but really being online is, is essential. And within that, rationalizing your channel presence You can't maintain a quality impactful to your standard presence on multiple channels. You need to be absolutely realistic. Where is your audience? Where does your brand live? Where where does your audience live and breathe digitally and meet them there? So specifically, in my case, when I relaunched the business as a team of one, I made a conscious decision to be really active to the best standard that I can on LinkedIn, because with 800 million users, it is world's number one B2B networking. Site. So LinkedIn. And then I also opted, having always been a Twitter user, to link my Twitter account to LinkedIn so that effectively I hit two birds with one stone. Now I recognize, obviously, if you don't have a LinkedIn account, it's frustrating when you see a tweet that directs you to LinkedIn. But fundamentally, this integration is possible. And I opted to concentrate on LinkedIn. So, first step be visible. The second step follow the right people and engage with the right companies so you can't follow the world and one of the key frustrations some of my clients share with me is like well actually my feed is really cluttered it's a little bit like Facebook why and my question is well how many companies are you following how many groups are you part of and how many people are you following curate that you really have to curate that with with maximum maximum ruthlessness so that you boil down to the essential and you feed yourself only the voices that impact positively your output. So you take in the best quality thinking in your field of interest and specialism so that you reflect that with your added voice in the posts that you issue. So first you're visible, the second step, follow the right people. And then timidly, we all start by browsing and observing, and then we start liking. And at one point, there will be posts that will stir you sufficiently to actually start to write a comment. And that is the seed that eventually leads to you evolving from a browser to a content creator. The moment you start to write a little comment, and of course you convert the comment into a slightly, you know, short one paragraph or two paragraph post. You start to share third party thinking, and that's how you build up the confidence to actually issue your own opinion pieces and that's basically the entry level content creator.
0: I think that on itself that 5 minute segment that is just pure amazing valuable gold I think because you've you've literally helped everyone understand what the steps are and I think it's so so great to kind of advocate for it can just be a paragraph on LinkedIn like that is a little bit of content that you can put on and and engaging with content and I love the idea of curating your feed I did this a long time ago with um, Instagram because I was feeling particularly low at the time. And I was like, you know what? I need something. I need something to help me. So I honestly subscribed to things that I knew would help me feel better because I still wanted to stay connected to my friends. So I went for comics, like as in like little cool comic strips, anything like comedy based in London, because I've got like a a strange London humour. And then psychologists who could kind of give me hints and tips and stuff. And it really helped, you know, to be able to think about, it's your portal into the digital world. You can have it as, as you wish, right? It's not at the behest of anybody else. It's up to you to create and cre- curate it. That's a wonderful, wonderful gift to give yourself, I think. Like if it's, you love cats or whatever, you can put that on and make yourself feel good. And then professionally, it's remarkable how close you are to like, amazing people in your field. You're, you're only two degrees away from them, I think usually like on LinkedIn, you'll find someone who knows someone who knows someone who you're like, oh, I would love to speak to them.
1: LinkedIn is so approachable. I found myself in dialogue with really the biggest voices in, in areas of interest to me. And if approached in a tailored way, with the same courtesy and manners that you would apply to real life interaction, you would find actually people on LinkedIn incredibly open and You already have the professional connection and the mutual respect. So if you approach any interested party with courtesy, you're more likely than not to get a really considered response. And that builds a first connection, which boosts your confidence in your own thinking, in your own voice and in the reason why you are active digitally.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I wondered if we could just talk a little bit about gender, because i wonder if there's a difference of gender with this
1: foray into personal branding <laughs> i just wanted to know what your i'm raising eyebrows here it's it's very interesting because obviously the push for recognizing diversity and acting with inclusivity is real and it's been discussed at length defining your target defining your audience is you know a business fundamental and originally i said i will be in the business for supporting entrepreneurs, executives and world-class thinkers. So that was my mission and because I wanted people with open thinking, unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to embrace new ideas. I generally tend to have a bit of a portfolio of five clients, five, six clients maximum at any point in time and Currently, I have two projects that are done for organizations that are really, really diverse. And I have three projects that are actually delivered for women-led businesses. So in terms of gender, I would say particularly women looking to relaunch their careers seem to resonate and embrace the concept of Project You. Because I position personal branding, it is not a flippant, casual five-minute investment. It actually is recognizing that your personal brand is a real thing and naming it project you and then giving it all, treating it with planning, with preparation, with execution to the standard that you would any professional project. So, yes, women biased is what I'm seeing, particularly women returning to work, women looking to relaunch their careers, women wanting something, wanting more from their professional lives.
0: Mm. I've seen anecdotally with my friends and and family and stuff, women who, especially as they've had children and then they kind of think about their career. And if they're going to be doing something that like for work, which they want to do, they want it to be really meaningful because it's taking them away from their family. So they really want to have something that's full of purpose and gives them energy so that they can go back to their families and, and add something to it. I wonder as well, sometimes if there is like hormonal things as well that make a woman sort of more reflective. I mean, this is going into neuroscience, but it's a a kind of thing that I reflect upon because we go through so many changes a month. It almost then means that we're accepting of change. Mm. You know, it's like in our bodies, change is part of who we are.
1: Yes. What I'm seeing now is actually a lot of women keen to regain their confidence and keen to regain their voice. And where I'm working a lot with my clients is to convert hesitation into action. It's a passion point of mine. And I also believe that, you know, I am a mother myself, and I've probably gone through 10 years of hesitation and being ultra flexible so that I can I can bring up a family with support, of course, from my, my husband. But What I'm seeing now and what I'm encouraging my clients now is after this period of finding yourself and being there for your family and I guess giving yourself up for the benefit of the, you know, the wider nucleus that you're part of. This is the time to actually convert hesitation into action and find your complete, complete voice and lose fear. That's that's another concept I'm really passionate about. Just stop the hesitation, favor action, lose fear, find your voice let's let's get going.
0: <laughs> well, I mean I'm feeling empowered after listening to all this. I'm like right, don't hesitate anymore. Let's go. Let's take action. <laughs> it's interesting because I definitely I've been on a journey. Like for anyone who has seen the podcast from the beginning, you know, I started almost like I'm just going to do this because I want to do this. Like it's something I'm passionate about. And now it's season three and I've been able to invest in like a website platform and to invest in more branding and, you know, see that evolve and grow. But I think part of it was, I didn't really think about it too much. There was no hesitation because I really didn't think about it too much. I was just like, I know I want to talk to people about leadership development. I'm really passionate about this. It's a gap.
1: Go for it. (laughs) You know, like hundred percent. And I think, a lot of people are daunted by the immensity of creating a business and creating a service proposition. And where, where will the budget come from? And how will I actually cope? And of course, in the beginning as an entrepreneur, you need to be all departments. You need to be business development, you need to be marketing, you need to be sales, you need to be accounting, you know, finance, you need to be also product development. You need to continuously invest in your own product and so then and operations, because you still need to deliver the client work that pays the bills, right? So I really, really believe that you need to take a stepping stones approach and literally just take one day at a time, throw yourself with enthusiasm into absolutely all good opportunities, be selective by all means. And this will create a really, really powerful momentum, which just spurs you on. (laughs) You know, the tagline of my business is actually solutions with momentum. I really, really believe that acting short and sharp is much more powerful than having this analysis paralysis. So I just feel like if a client needs, has a problem and needs solving, I really take an agile approach. And I'm like, right, we're going to work in sprints. I want you to see the results. I want you to feel motivated by the results. I'm happy to take a gap in between the sprints so that you take stock and see how the business you know, flows with the new solutions that we brought on. And then we start another sprint.
0: Yeah, especially thinking about the, the podcast, it really follows that approach. I do think I didn't hesitate. And I think if anyone's going to take away anything from this podcast right now, it's whatever idea you've got in your brain, just honestly, just move forward with it. Don't overthink it. There was an Instagram little video like thing that I saw yesterday and it just made me giggle. And it was like, just, just what if you did it as a joke? It was like, just take the pressure off, just do it like as a bit of a joke, like, you know, and if that helps you to just make some movements and move forward, then it really helps. I never thought in a million billion years I would be here on season three and be interviewing such wonderful people and have learned so much and got such rich benefit from it. And it wouldn't have happened unless I was just like, I'm just going to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, even the concept of podcasts, talking about the importance of future proofing your career and being active digitally. I'm not digital native, you, I don't know if, if, if you are, just about. but really I'm <laughs> just about, exactly, on the cusp of being digital native. And at the time, you know, internet was its in, in infancy and to move from that to actually being connected with people of all nationalities and backgrounds globally through common thinking and mm. a podcast, isn't that powerful? And that is evidence as to why we need to be visible digitally and why we, we need to have a voice, literally.
0: Yeah, I mean, even like this, this season, I've spoken to someone in Canada, someone in Argentina. These are people I wouldn't have come across in my everyday life. But I do love the fact that we met in real life. Yes. (laughs) It was the first in real life event I think I'd been to in about two years. So that's really, it's really nice to have also done that. That's the thing, I suppose. It's, It's the caveat that still go and meet people in real life, don't just rely on digital means, but it's 100% so valuable that for any future leader, you need to have a presence, you need to have some sort of position and brand on there. And you need to be able to share your thinking. And I don't think it needs to be at volume, but it does need to be engaging and like present.
1: Absolutely. It's, It's an amplification area. So fundamentally, us meeting in real life meant that we planted the seed to, you know, an ongoing dialogue. However, it is online that both you and I are amplifying our thinking on the back of that meeting. So, yeah, can be the place where you meet online, but it can also be the place where you drum up.
0: And I love that you can amplify your thinking. That I think is really powerful because
1: you're already doing it. You're just sharing it on the platform. Yeah. Well, at the start of my personal branding journey, I was thinking, how do I actually explain to my very, very talented and capable clients the opportunity that they are missing by not being present on LinkedIn? And basically, I summarise it as not being present on LinkedIn is absolutely not diminishing your achievements as a professional. You're still an exceptional individual. However, it is reducing your visibility. And that's basically something you really need to accept. Do you want that? Because you're doing the hard work. Everything is still happening. The investment in your thinking, in your professional achievements is there. But you're making a conscious choice not to share that. Mm -hmm. What's the point where you actually decide that actually, no, I do want that visibility? And that's the point where usually my clients decide, okay, project me is a real thing, and I'm investing in it with all my might. Yes. And once you're on, you're on, you're just rolling with it. It's not eating up your life, it's just. It's self-propelling, creating a really, really nice momentum and um, boosts your self-belief, I guess. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really resonated with me because it's, it's almost showing the cost of not engaging. It's like, it's your choice. It's always everyone's choice. But, you know, it's almost like the best, most amazing conference in the universe, in your field. And you're choosing not to go.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. At one point, I was talking to a group of MBA students at the Nagaoka University of Technology. This is a university in Japan. And because of their background, they were really hesitant about why would there be a benefit for them as technology students by being visible on LinkedIn? And also Asian countries also have a hesitancy, which is culturally ingrained in promoting the self, you know, the, the the compliance societies where the self is subservient to the wider society. Good. The group is more important. The group thinking is more cherished, I guess, and encouraged. And having lived and worked and studied in Japan for four years cumulatively, but really having studied Japanese culture for 10 years, I fully, fully empathised. However, I did say to them, I said, how would you feel if you had an opportunity to attend online events from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology? How would you feel if the most famous professor from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, was to to reply to one of your comments. How would you feel if you could ask him directly some, some nuggets for some nuggets of wisdom, or ask him for his opinion in response to a particular project that you're currently struggling with, or ask for funding, or ask to be involved in a research or in a study, or lend your opinion to a bigger piece of thinking that is happening at global level. And that was really eye-opening for them and they realized it doesn't need to be a commercial transaction it doesn't need to be a presence on LinkedIn because you're looking for a new role you're just looking to be part of the thinking of your time shaping the thinking of your time adding your voice to the thinking of your time
0: oh I got ghost bumps that's so good I love it (laughs) it really is it really is such a great opportunity Um, you know, going back to the analogue sort of thing where we were straddling the digital and analogue world. I mean, for goodness sake, back in the day, the only way you could get information was going to the library. I know this is going to blow some people's minds, picking off a book called an encyclopedia, going through to the alphabet thing that was related to you and reading what was in there. That was the extent to which you could get information about something you were interested in. And then the world revolutionized when you had a CD-ROM. So you could quickly see through the CD-ROM. So we've gone a long way. Now I've got it all on my phone and I can like have access to it straight away. Yep, absolutely.
1: You forgot the floppy disk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to talk a little bit about you now and about Joanna and about her own leadership journey. And I'd love to know about a leader that has
1: influenced you on your journey. Okay, for sure. Having moved around the world a little bit, I was always thrown in interesting international environments. So I, I had excellent guidance in Japan. They were particularly my uh, direct manager at the time, Tony Kay, um, Australian, very, very interesting and influential, particularly in supporting me to find my voice and know my worth. So that was, that was fabulous. And I can carry on with examples from, from more, more recent jobs. But I also thought of mentioning three well-known names, Anya Hindmarch, So, the fashion handbag lady. What I admire about Anya is actually the fact that she set up a fantastically successful business. But after selling the business, she actually fought back to regain ownership of the business. And the reason I love that example is because fundamentally, once an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. And once you've started on that journey of ownership and freedom, you really, really want to stay on that. So Anya's example gave me the confidence that, yes, it might get tough. It might get to a point where I actually want out But actually, no, it's worth fighting for owning your ideas, owning your business, and owning that freedom. So I loved Anya. I also really, really like Chris Sheldrick. He's the founder of What Three Words, which we're obviously all using. What I love about him is the fact that he really, really passionately is nurturing raw advocacy amongst his customers. So fundamentally he's turning his customers into advocates for his brand and I think that is 100% the way that we should all approach business development you know you just need your customers to be your biggest biggest brand ambassadors. And then finally as a very young entrepreneur myself Mark Ritson of the you know Mini MBA online he's a worldwide known marketeer, he's currently based in Melbourne. He actually stated that it's okay to allow your brand to move fluidly for about the first five years. And why I thought that was really, really powerful was because at the start, you don't have it all figured out, no matter what. You know, everyone says, have a plan or you plan to fail. Yes, I have a loose plan, but unless I adapt, I would be absolutely, you know, non-existent. The fact that Mark and said, no, 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 first five years, it's okay to be fluid. It's okay to experiment and try new things and then bin them if they don't work, build on them if they do. I thought that permission was really liberating. I felt like, okay, no pressure. I can do it. I can mess about. I can experiment first five years. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's so much info in there, but but just picking up on the last one, that permission thing for the first five years, it's something I've been reflecting on recently. It's like things are a lot different on my journey, like from a year ago and I understand what he's saying, because you kind of have to find where your niche is in the market. It's almost a refining period. Like you said, bin what doesn't work, keep going with what does. And it's almost you're just pruning and becoming even more and more tailored. When I went on a walk this morning, I was thinking very few businesses are like a tech startup, even though that's who I work with generally, because they, they have exponential growth within a couple of years. But most businesses for the first couple of years, you're just trying to work out
1: where you fit in the part of all of this. Absolutely. And one aspect that many of my clients actually possibly don't fully anticipate how labor intensive it is, is actually the service definition. And it's something that I myself have labored over months and months and months. And it's a hugely iterative process where you think, you know, I challenge all my clients. What is your menu of services because particularly in consultancy people tend to think oh no no no! everything's bespoke I'm just listening to my clients and I'm helping them out and so on that doesn't cut it I actually feel that I I really really I challenge myself and now I'm challenging all my clients give me your off-the-shelf menu of services like a Chinese menu or like a restaurant menu and if you want to be really really good make it a Michelin style restaurant menu so that it's very clear you know for starters two things three things max mains two three things and then the full Monty for dessert and that actually is incredibly incredibly hard because people are forced into giving their solutions a name and then giving them an explanation and then attributing a value a monetary value well a value of time and then a monetary value and to achieve that you actually need the methodology and that's where it gets really really complex because to say okay I can do project you Okay, how do you do it? What's your methodology? How do you know you can deliver it in X amount of hours and for an X amount of money? You can't, unless you have really, really prepared your material and prepared the methodology, tested the methodology multiple, multiple, multiple times until you've refined it. That's the point where you can literally plug and play. I mean, you're just dropping bombs
0: here, (laughs) (laughs) Joanna.
1: I don't mean to, I don't mean to, but these are, you know, I'm, I'm really a complete start on myself and these these are the learnings that I'm going through.
0: Yeah, no these truths they're just they're amazing gold nuggets. I thought the gold nuggets were coming at the end but you're just sprinkling them throughout like a jewelry <laughs> situation. Thank you. I'm learning a lot in this. This is wonderful. I'd love to know a little bit about something that helped you on your own leadership journey, right? You've had such an amazing experience through your career, like living and working in Japan. If anyone wants to go and live and work in Japan, we both advocate for it. It's a fascinating culture, amazing country. The people are are so interesting and warm and, you know, you'll have such an incredible time. I was there when I was 22 to 24 and every time I'm like what do I want to eat it's always Japanese food because I think it's like become part of my soul now (laughs) if I'm like feeling a bit sad I'm like I want Japanese food (laughs) so it's part of my soul food now but it was very instrumental in my development because I had to challenge myself way outside my comfort zone if you can imagine going to I mean you know this but going to the supermarket and you're like I I don't even know what butter is like I don't know what and you, ha- you feel like a child, you feel like an actual toddler in a whole country. And you really have to be quite self-reliant, quite adaptable, quite flexible, and almost um, a novice in every single way, shape and form. And I just think the Japanese people are wonderful because they help you along the way. They yes. don't judge you for not knowing everything around you. Whereas, you know, in comparison, sometimes I do think in the UK, people are really unkind and it's like, you have no idea how hard it is to live in another country when it's not your native language, etc. So pro-Japan.
1: <laughs> Definitely. It's been a formative experience for me as well. And when I was a student, um, the Japanese embassy in Bucharest organized a speech contest and I participated because I felt I owed it to Japan to amplify my thinking to an audience of wannabe students and encourage everyone to experience Japan. And my topic was Japan. continent the seventh continent because I perceived Japan to have the diversity of, of a seventh continent in itself that's how much I valued the richness of that time.
0: Oh I love that I remember speech contests in Japan they love speech contests I taught English out there with the JET program yes the Japan exchange and teaching program for anyone who doesn't know and it was quite common for that to be almost like the end of year assessment to have a speech contest. And hearing these Japanese students have an amazing speech in English that you couldn't even pull off you just humbled quite quite quickly like wow and one one student he was a young like sort of 14 year old boy he actually did like a feminist speech from like I can't remember who it was exactly it was definitely like a, a a woman's speech but he did it so well you wouldn't have even noticed like it was just so powerful the way he delivered it so it's just mind-blowing sometimes the things that you experience What else influenced you on your leadership
1: development journey? Well, more recently, actually, I've engaged um, or I've embarked, actually, I should say, on a journey, a hundred conversation journey, let's call it. There's a film, The 100 Foot Journey, but really, this is the hundred conversation journey to test my ideas when when I launched the business, because I thought, you know, I need to talk to people because otherwise I'm a team of one and you can be a little bit insular. So I thought, no, I'm a natural connector. I will learn from these conversations. I'll refine my thinking. I'll refine my story. I'll find meaning and value in everything. So I started having, you know, conversations with people from around the world. I started to make myself available for all sorts of, you know, webinars, presentations. I basically leaned in. But one very, very recently, I received some quite I felt really, really unnecessarily abrupt and aggressive feedback, which really shook me to the core. But um, hard feedback is obviously a great opportunity to really look into what's missing in your service proposition, what's missing in your approach what's missing in the maturity of your business, I guess. And at that point, so it took me a long time, I would say probably a good eight weeks to kind of digest the feedback and make sense of it and understand if it was justified and I just couldn't see it or actually it was just a little bit mean. But I did make peace with it and I thought, okay, how do I prevent this from happening again in the future to that intensity? You know, negative feedback is one thing, but this was really, it paralyzed me for about eight weeks, which was quite, you know, quite significant. So one learning I took from um, Ford, I think it was a Forbes article, was um, developing, so it wasn't a leader, it was just an article I read about the importance to develop your operations manual your own operations manual. And since I talked to my clients about your personal brand, I thought, how good to actually have your ops manual? No, it's the Joanna Jago operations manual, which I created. So I wrote down literally every single item related to my modus operandi and every single item about how I like to do business, what's important, why. And with almost like fields for multiple choice, I uploaded in the cloud So every time I start a new collaboration with a client, I invite them to the cloud and say, look, how shall we work? How shall we work successfully? Because fundamentally, being a team of one, I can't hand you over to a colleague who's a better fit to you. You need to do business with me and I need to do business with you. So having a really, really good fit and me meeting you on the channels that are important to you is critical, isn't it? If I am to be a customer first business. So I've created this ops manual. It's like a um, client care letter that law firms issue, but with less legalese and more practical, how do we work? And it includes even things like, okay, where do we store data? And they could be, and I give them a choice, iCloud, Dropbox, Google Drive, you know, SharePoint. Let's select one, one that works right. How often do we talk to each other? weekly, twice weekly, every Monday? What do you prefer? Short, sharp bites, you know, 15-minute chats, or do you want proper one-hour debriefs every single week? And literally go through all these tiny potential friction points. You know, if you don't talk about these things, then the client, I, I have situations where maybe I was a little bit too intense or maybe I was a little bit too laid back. And I just feel by asking all those questions in the cloud with a client in the document, I start from the position of what ideally would work for me. And then I'm like, right, tell me what else okay whatsapp whatsapp is what we do how often this often which which data storage dropbox fantastic dropbox it is what else tell me what else what else what are the you know what are the roadblocks do you have as a client is it the currency is it payments is it time zone what is it let's get it all out and have at the end of this session literally a, almost like a collaboration agreement that we both hold really dear it sets the rules really so it's it's not a leader but it's just something I would say that's probably the biggest prompted by this very strong feedback this was probably the biggest biggest uh recent gain for me as a as an individual but also as a business
0: well I mean amazing for you right to take what was probably quite hard to kind of swallow And actually use it to improve your business and improve how you work with people. I think that in itself is an incredible leadership skill, right? And I'm not quite sure how to develop it in another person, but I know that ability to absorb something that's happened, transform it into something valuable to make things better for yourself. Like that skill set is like the gold, gold, gold
1: standard. Well. It was actually very interesting because I I had to ask myself am I am I offended because I'm just sensitive or is there actually value in this? Um, and I chose to believe that the client was well meaning and I chose to believe that the client had a point and I chose to probe the client and tell the client how arresting the feedback has been and to actually delve a bit deeper and be like come on tell me more help me here because I'm not getting all I'm getting is the feedback. But I'm not getting the root cause properly. So help me here. And, and actually um, that client is still a client and I feel that the relationship has matured. I've matured as a business as a result. And I also believe that the client has had some time to reflect and they probably benefited from my feedback to them in return in terms of they toning the, framing the feedback in a more sympathetic way, I guess. So it's been a win-win-win all around. But anyway, it's a recent example.
0: That's brilliant. And it shows you as well that you're, you're always learning and always developing on, on your leadership journey. I think it's that power to reflect and, as I say, transmute and make some gold out of a situation. With your experience working with clients in the personal branding space and beyond and growth marketing, what are the trends that you're seeing in leadership at the moment in the digital world and in the analog world, but just in general?
1: One thing that springs to mind, actually, is unlearning. Mm. Tell us more. Huge, huge trend. Um, Basically, in analog, we've been optimizing our analog existence for quite a number of years. And when the digital world kind of trickled into our lives, permeated our lives, we've chosen probably to adopt some of the digital new ways. But we've also held on quite strongly to, to some old analog ways. And I guess unlearning is consciously choosing to let go of an old existing way in order to adopt a more progressive, beneficial, efficient, smooth and relevant new way. So it's just this conscious unlearning. I mean, fundamentally, if you think of the hardware of a computer, you know, you can reach saturation. and what I'm aware of, you know, I'm 42 at the moment, and I feel like, gosh, you know, I could be easily working into my mid 80s, the way the world is going. And I hope I have longevity, particularly digitally. But to stay relevant, I have to declutter my thinking, I have to self reflect and let go of everything that is holding me back. And that is to me. A very very powerful trend. You know, I, I'm in touch with many many universities and think tanks from around the world. The the people who first put this on my mind are from the Sydney Insights, um, New South Wales University. So Sandra Peter, who's who's a friend actually, we grew up together. She spearheads the Sydney Insights think tank group as part of you know the New South Wales University. And I was listening to one of their podcasts where the topic of unlearning came to the fore. So very, very big. And it's something that I'm consciously doing every day, because digital transformation cannot happen unless you're prepared to unlearn.
0: Mm, That is really powerful. And I guess it helps you upgrade your software as as a leader and as a person as well, because what worked for you, even 10 years ago, just won't work now. In some respects, some
1: things will stay the same, but some many, many things will still change absolutely the second thing i would like to share is i guess i'm seeing a trend where employers are investing in employee visibility so you have this trend for um internal um, internal influencers but also external influencers because people do business with people so i'm seeing actually big big corporations invest in the visibility of their employees starting with a very basic brand hygiene of polishing your linkedin profile giving employees access to really, really good quality thinking that their corporation is is producing and actively encouraging employees to share that thinking. Why? It's a positive reflection on the individual as a professional because they're associated with the latest thinking, the latest trends they're seeing as dynamic, active, digitally first and connected. But it's also a wonderful cross-pollination onto the employer brand because you suddenly have this contingent of engaged, professional, pertinent and quality opinionated employees who are spearheading, penetrating with the thinking of the organization, various pockets of their own networks. So it's a fabulous way of actually, it's not a Trojan horse, it's really openly saying, share, share the thinking and add your voice to it. That makes it relatable, doesn't it? For all your networks, therefore you build fantastic trust into the employer brand as well. So I'm seeing that trend happen now. And there are courses, there are services that are being delivered in that space. And yeah, it's a big, big trend regardless of how big your business is, you could be employing five employees, you could be employing 5,000. It's investing in your employees' visibility.
0: Mm, Really interesting. I I guess you can help with that, right? If people are interested in doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've developed the program in collaboration with contact of mine who has very extensive experience in Ernst Young and she's she's a content specialist, content strategist, and I bring in the personal branding piece and basically it's a symbiotic approach to how you can activate employee advocacy.
0: Amazing. And finally, because we're coming to the end of the episode and I, I honestly feel like I'm going to need a coffee after this and just reflect a lot about what <laughs> we just talked about and maybe do a bit of journaling. But what are your three top tips for leaders today?
1: Okay, I'll be succinct for a change. Be seen, be found, and be easy to do business with. That's
0: very simple. <laughs> really good. <laughs> I love that. I think that's going to be your little tagline. So, But thank you, Joanna Yago. How can people get in touch with you to find out more about the personal branding service
1: that you offer and growth marketing? Well, connecting on LinkedIn is fabulous because you can see my body of work. You see who I am, how I behave. I'm completely uninhibited there. And I also have a website, so it's eventum.uk, I-V-E-N-T-U-M.uk, simple as that. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn, hope to see everyone there. And thank you so, so much for having me today. It's a fabulous platform. No, thank
0: you so much. We'll put the um, links in the description box below the podcast. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely brilliant. You've dropped so many truth bombs. I think I'm going to need a little little bit of a coffee
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> you and I, thank you so much thank you for
0: listening if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support this podcast please share it with others share it with your friends your family your colleagues anyone you think who might benefit from listening post about it on social media as well or leave a rating and review and please subscribe to catch all the latest updates and episodes you can also find us on instagram at still loading podcast thanks and i'll see you next time bye